Welcome to TSOB with Dr. G, a podcast featuring intellectual table talk about race and sexuality. I'm your host, Dr. Tracy Q. Gilbert, a sexuality educator, writer, and researcher. Join me as I talk with the most brilliant minds in human sexuality, applying a professional Black lens to discussions about sexiness, health, and healing in the new millennium. It's TSOB, the sex ed of Black folk. Let's get to the get down, shall we? Hey, good people. Welcome to another episode of TSOB. I'm Dr. G, and I'm so happy you're here with me today. Um, Before we get into today's episode, I just want to check in with you to say thank you so much for being a listener. I'm so excited to see so many people taking to the show so excitedly. Um, I want to invite you, particularly for those who are subscribed on the various platforms, to please uh, offer a rating on the show. If you like what you're hearing, please give us a good rating, whether it's on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or any one of the channels, just so it boosts up our brand and it lets other folks know that this is a show worth listening to. If you're not subscribed already, please go ahead and subscribe us anywhere that you listen to podcasts. We are likely there and we could definitely use those numbers. Last but not least, this is a show where we want to be as interactive as possible. So if you have some feedback you want to share, or if you've got some questions that you're looking for advice for, please don't hesitate to shoot us an email. Mailbox at TSOBpodcast.com is the email address. And when you do that, if you've got something really special, we'll make sure it gets put on the show. So I think that's all I have. Let's go ahead and get into this interview with my special guest, Goody Howard. All right, good people. We are here and we are getting ready to get into it. I am so excited to be speaking to the person I'm speaking with today. Um, Y'all know this whole season, like I said, I'm introducing you to the foundations of this thing we're talking about as far as sex ed goes. And that means I'm bringing you people that I feel like um, are fundamental to this discussion and helping you understand what sex it is, what it means for Black folks to be engaging with sex ed and having conversations about sex ed. Um, And these are also just my homies. Like I'm really just helping you uh, see the folks that I consider to be, you know, my colleagues, my, my, my friends in this field. And so, of course, I have to invite uh, my good friend, Goody Howard, to be here with me today to to talk. Let me just share a little bit about Goody. I'm going to read her bio and then we're going to get into it. Um, Goody Howard is an intimacy consultant, a sexuality educator, and an HIV activist. She's been in adult industry insider for over 10 years. And she informs, educates, and empowers her clients with the knowledge that sexual pleasure is sexual health. Say that again, sexual pleasure is sexual health. That's dope, that's huge. Goody is, um, she hosts and she she facilitates sex positive workshops around the country. And I would probably even say around the world. I know she's got followers all over the place. Um, and they're focused on intimacy and empowerment. She layers the focus on pleasure and education with her energetic and engaging presentation style. And so for the folks who know Goody, who are listening, who are Goody's team, y'all already know about her oral sex series, Lick and Lip Service. And those are her most popular classes. But she's been teaching this for a while now. She's been doing comprehensive sex ed um, for well over 10 years for campuses, communities, 
pretty much everybody. And her mantra is be good or be good at it, which is, and through that, she's determined to normalize sex positive conversations as a way to ease stigma and improve sexual responsibility. And so with that, I'm just going to say, hey, hey, friend. Hey, Goody, hey, how Tracy, you doing? Hey, hey Dr. Gilbert. <laughs> Welcome <laughs> to the show. <laughs> I'm so glad you were here. When I first was thinking about who did I want to talk to, I mean, there's so many amazing colleagues that I'm like, I'm not even going to even get to them. I, I mapped out the whole year for next year. And I'm like, I'm not even going to be able to get to everybody. But when I first thought about who are like, the initial people that must be on this platform, you easily popped in my head. Yes, in my time. I'm a guest, so I'm not going to so I'm, I'm so glad you were able to make time for me. Listen, not <laughs> now. Cry, I, but not, thing, not now. What not I now. love, I will say this before we even get into all the sex, sexology of it all. What I love about being a black woman in this work is that the black women that I have met in this work have been, I call y'all yes. sistren. Like I say my sistren in, you know, whatever, whatever. And like, because First of all, I, I have met so many dope people, right? And y'all's brains, I'm just like, mm-hmm. like, I just love the, like, everyone is so brilliant. <laughs> and to admire dope, brilliant ass people, and then to them, them, have them admire and respect you too, is just like, it's a headspace that I never really imagined yes. that I would be in, that I definitely was not in when I was doing accounting. <laughs> um, but like, this is, it's, it just adds joy the support that I feel like I have and the yes. just environment. And like, we, I'm, the thing with COVID is we haven't been having these conferences where we, cause we only go to the, we really go to the conferences to see each other. We don't really, I mean. That's it. It looks That's good it. on the CV. It's black girl time. <laughs> if you go to a conference and you see one of us, you see all of us. And so, <laughs> I mean. Facts. I, that's what I miss. That's it. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's what we're looking for when and we get so there. <laughs> I, I just love the energy and the camaraderie and the collaboration over competition. And just because we get this narrative that black women are naturally, yeah. uh, you know, catty and naturally in competition with each other and all of these different things. And while that may be true uh, in areas or in sections of our communities, in this community specifically, yeah. it's, it's beautiful. Yeah. I think your point rele- elevates the idea that we are not any more no. catty than any other human being, no. right? Or any other group on the planet, right? Like you have people who are operating out of their insecurities all the time. Right. But that doesn't necessarily have right. to be us. So, so it makes me happy when you think people are brilliant and then they think you're dope too. Like it's Christmas all year. Yes. It's Christmas all year. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 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 So let's get into it. Um, so I, the, the start question I ask everyone is, it's a, it's a three-parter. So uh-huh. where are you from? Where are your people from? And what's got you thinking about sex these days? What's got me thinking about what? Sex these days. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, well, I'm from Dallas. I'm based out of Dallas, Texas. I've lived everywhere because my daddy was in the Navy. But mm. I was born in Dallas and mostly raised in Dallas. High school here, college in Houston. So I'm a Texan all day. <laughs> Good, bad, or ugly. Hey. Um, you know, um, my people are from Texas. Um, ultimately my parents are from, you know, Texas and Dallas area. They went to high school here and everything. Um, my dad's people are from, we got New York goodens. We got West coast goodens. Like they're everywhere. The goodens are their own race, I think. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, that's, that's where I am. Where I'm at is, is Texas where I'm a retire is Texas. Um, I do have a retirement plan to create a brothel in, uh, Nevada, but Come on. I will be based in Dallas. Um, yes. 
this is I just love it here. I love yes. it. Yes. It has its downsides, of course, but I live in a black ass bubble, so a black right, plant based right, right. ass bubble. So huh? <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's all right. That's all right. And tell me what's got you thinking about sex these days. Um, my work, if I'm being honest, because it reminds me to 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 have sex at home, to experience pleasure. I'm a very sensual person, so I love experiencing and recognizing non-sexual pleasure that I receive through all five of my senses all day um, because I'm big on connecting sensuality to sexuality. Yes. Um, and so I think my work is what reminds me to, to, to still find, find peace in my sexuality and, you know, I have a partner here and, you know, this quarantine, all these kids, child, it's difficult sometimes, but <laughs> my work reminds me to not let that part of myself kind of waver. Yeah. And what I love about it, about your work in particular is, you know, coming to it from academia, so much of my understanding of sexuality was brain. Well, mm -hmm. I should say the academic part is that it's brain, right? It's mm -hmm. in your head and it's what the things you think about it. And one of the things I appreciate your work is that you've successfully um, integrated the brain and the body and helping remind folks like, nah, you doing this with your body. Right, <laughs> you know, you're understanding right. your body and being comfortable with your body is just as important as being able to think about it. And so right. like, I definitely... Right. Definitely love that about the work that you do. So I'm going to, I'm going to ask you a question and I want to, I want to, I pray that you don't, you, you take this with the love that I, I mean it <laughs> when I think of, so when I think of you, I'm always, you remind me of, you remember going to high school or going to middle school and having that girl that just knows all the things about sex that you aren't <laughs> supposed to know. Uh-huh. Like the fast tail girl, the one they call uh -huh. fast tail, right? Everybody's uh -huh. fast tail. Like we're all yeah, fast tail, no matter what but, we're doing. Yeah. But but the one that just knows where you're like, if you got a real question and you really want to know the answer, you need to go ask that person. Mm -hmm. And I, I that, to me, you hold a special place in my heart as that person in our field. I feel like <laughs> if there's somebody who, where I'm like, I actually need some skills. Like like spoiler alert, everybody, I have been to Goody's workshops. They are phenomenal. You need to go and get your life. Um, but I'm like, if I need to know something, I'm gonna go ask Goody. Cause sometimes, you know, just cause you do sexology don't mean you were, you know, everything. And so, I, cause I go to people too. I mean, it's a thing. <laughs> it is a thing. And, and, but that's why I'm ask Goody on everything. Cause people yes. ask Goody, but I was that girl in real life. Okay. That was my question. So. Were you that girl? <laughs> yes. That is my question. Were I've you that girl? I've always been a freaky friend, child. Always. <laughs> always. And how oh. and how did that how did that shape your journey in terms of getting into sex ed and determining that this was something you wanted to make a career? Um, I've always apparently been a sex educator. <laughs> um, my mother is a registered nurse, and so I learned about sex very clinically, very medically. Um, but we never talked about the social impacts of sex, and we never talked about intimacy and things like that. So I knew all the biological situations, right? But I was always I'm very much a nerd, and I'm curious about why. I was like, oh, that feels good, but why? Or mm -hmm. and so I just like would get into her books and research and kind of figure it out on my own. This was way pre-Google, people. Um, <laughs> I'm 40 <laughs> years old. I'm talking about in the library. This the was Ask Jeeves. All oh, right, in the car you, No, no. Yeah, wasn't no internet. <laughs> wasn't no internet. We was not, the internet didn't exist in the home. I was at the library with the card catalog on the microfiche. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, this was not, you know, I was in the library. So... If, I, if someone did ask me something that I didn't know, I had to find out. And so I've always kind of been interested and excited by 
I say science and ho shit because I I explain <laughs> pleasure using science for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm just I just love it. So I've always loved it. And so um, in college. It was right after college. I was going to toy parties and stuff. And this lady was like the same lady doing all my friends' toy parties. And so the questions I was asking her and the feedback she was giving, she was like, oh, you will be so good at this. You need to sell these toys. And I was like, I don't like sales. I don't like people. I'm not doing it. And I was like, I'll I'll have a party for you, right? But I'm not going to do this. And so Mm -hmm. I had the party for her. And there was lots of sales. And that's back in the day we used to get cash kickbacks when you Mm -hmm. had a lot of sales at your party. And so she was like, well... I'm going to take this money that you made and I'm going to put some of my money with it and we're going to get you a kit because I believe you can do this. Mm-hmm. And it was a black lady. And I was like, if she, and I'm, so we're still friends to this day. And I was like, if she believes in me, if this black woman believes enough in me to try to do this, then I'm going to at least give it a shot. And it was like Mary Kay for dildos, of course. And so, yes. you know, you got to differentiate, differentiate yourself from the other people in your area doing the same shit, right? Right. Is that a thing? Oh yeah, we heard some okay. on the show. Well, you know, because you know, this that's I don't. It's a both and whatever yeah, feels good to you. If I can't cuss, I can't come. Um, so <laughs> literally, literally. Um, but yeah, so if I if I you know doing all of that, and so I would do like little oral sex tips or little position tips for oh you got a bad knee but you want to ride some dick kind of shit, right? So mm-hmm. and, they, and the ladies were like, I'd pay for this without the toys. Mm. And I was like, ding, my bachelor's is in business management and development. So I created these workshops and was like offering these in addition to the toys and stuff and started charging a booking fee for the workshops and not the toy parties. Mm -hmm. Um, It was just a whole like I just kind of built out my own little area. Um, And so and then I found the Women of Color Sexual Health Network. Yes. hey, And I was like because I was doing accounting. I was an accountant during the day. Like. It was awful. I hated it, but I was, I'm good at numbers. And so mm-hmm. sometimes your passion is not necessarily what you're passionate about, but what you're good at. And those things, sometimes those things aren't the same. I'm great with numbers. I see a number one time and I'm going to remember it. And like, I love it because it was like CSI without the bodies, right? It always balanced to zero. I just had to find the pennies and it was just like, it was, it was stimulating for me, but mm-hmm. it wasn't fulfilling. And so when I found Women of Color Sexual Health Network and I saw that there were people that were actually doing this work, building lives and paying their bills, I was like, whoa, 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 mm-hmm. right? And so I just, everybody was so receptive and I just asked questions like, what is your background? What was your training? What do you do? Like asking, figuring out what everyone else was already doing, how those things lined up with what I was already doing. It took a long time for me to even embrace that I was doing the work, right? It took me a long time to embrace that what I do can be considered a practice and can be, can be considered work. And, you know, and they're not just parties. They're also workshops and they mm-hmm. are edutainment. Kind of, like it took me a long time to shake off that part of my imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. And I say that part because I have more, but that part I'm good with now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just kind of talking to everybody, I some people have masters of social work. Some people had master education. Some had uh, public health. The people, the public health people, wish, wish they'd had the social work influence. The social work people wish they'd had the public health influence. And so, mm-hmm. I got into a social work program here in Dallas, and they created a master's of public health while I was getting my social work degree, and I was already getting like a grad certificate of public health. So I was like, all that stuff plus my social work degree, all that stuff, I it counted toward the master's of public health. Mm. So I went ahead and got a master's of public health too. So I have two, I got two 
separate master's degrees in a three-year time period. And I was the first, I'm the first human being to graduate with a master's of public health from UT Arlington. So like I'm women's history, black history, black women's history, like first and only human being. There are people that have graduated now since me, but I mean, I was the first one. Somebody had to, you know, somebody had to follow. And it was really cool. So even with all of that, you know, training, because of what I do with the work, um, I wanted those those letters behind my name um, Mm -hmm. because it makes people more comfortable when it comes to writing your check. Try Mm -hmm. to get. Um, I applied to the, the doctorate of human sexuality program at a, at a college and they declined me. I was not accepted, even though two weeks before that I was teaching in that program as a guest educator. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's how that works. But that's not what this, yeah, we'll do that in another you know, episode. That's different. But, so, but what it did, it showed me that I, I needed to continue that same broad application in the pursuit of my PhD program. And so I don't want people to think that you have to have a degree in human sexuality to do this. And that, and because that was part of my unlearning too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think it is important to have professional development to teach you how to be, uh, to reduce the harm that you could be, you know, posing to your priority populations and teaching you frameworks and keywords and terms and understandings and practical applications of certain knowledges and understanding the research behind all the stuff. Like there's still so many layers and levels to being a sex educator um, or a sexuality professional in general. Um, that isn't necessarily tied to a degree, but it's definitely tied to professional development. So I don't want people to think they can just skip all the steps. Mm-hmm. Look, you know. yeah, gotcha, gotcha, <laughs> gotcha. Um, so, so I want to, I want to kind of say, I feel like this episode is going to be titled uh, "In Honor of All the Fast Tail Girls" because I just feel like that's that's what this show is really going to be—just really Listen. showing how the folks, how we get in, and how we do this work. Yes, um, my, my whole me. life has been sex education. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> When people, like people that I knew in high school, people that I knew in middle school, and they find me now and they see me now, I saw you on such and such, or I saw you. And they're like, yeah. Yeah. It's a it. good, like, yeah, this is a good fit. This is, I'm so glad that you found your lane and you are yes. like, it, I it, love it. Like, yeah. Even my grandmother, baby, how's the sex working going? Love how's, it. How's yes, the sex grandma. working? Yeah. It's great. It's great, grandma. The sex working is awesome. So that so tell me as you've started to really understand yourself as a professional in this field, what would you say is your sex ed superpower? Oh wow, I love that question because I'm I have a trading card. Yeah, yes. Let's talk about these cards. I'm so I, excited. Yes. Uh, and that was hard. It was hard to think of that question. I actually had an edible first before I thought about that question, <laughs> and that came up with my answer. Okay. Um, but I think my sex ed superhero superpower is. It is the science and whole shit. I'm like a mad, the mad scientist of sex ed, right? Because I love to explain pleasure through using science. I use um, I use physics. I use mm-hmm. chemistry. I use biology. I use um, sociology, psychology, all the ologies mm-hmm. to explain to people how and why their pleasure shows up for them the ways that it, in the ways that it does. Mm-hmm. So we know that, you know, getting on top feels good to you, but why does it feel good to you? Or it feels good to the person that you're on top of, but why? And what, mm-hmm. what the changing of the angles do and using the leverage. And we talk about simple machines, right? Uh, inclines and flat planes. We talk about the centrifugal force. We talk like, I, I explain it all and put it into bite-sized pieces for lay people that aren't necessarily the nerds that I am. Mm-hmm. Um, and I use, I, I say I use my superpower for good because I make, I try to create bite-sized 
you know, pieces that are, they're small enough for you to digest, but they're so profound that it kind of makes a shift in how your sexual scripts show up going forward. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. And so I love, love doing that. And one of the, like the nerdiest, one of the nerdiest things that my partner says I does is I love, I love to find aftermarket uses for sex toys. Come on. Okay. Come on lecture. Tell us. Cause I'm, I'm curious. So like a bullet, right? And just a regular bullet with just the cord with the remote control, mm-hmm. like just not a wireless, nothing fancy. The bullet, we're talking about the bullet. bullet sex toy, not a, a gun yes. bullet for those who are confused. Oh, yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. I have to, okay. <laughs> a bullet sex toy. It's like a little vibrating egg and it has a cord and a little um, remote control. Nothing fancy. Not the, it ain't got to be USB. None of right. that. Just regular old bullet, right? So that's designed as a clitoral stimulator. So you put a little lube on it and you use it on the clit. Um, but you can also, if you have a penis, you can put it in your hand while you have your balls in your hand and you can masturbate with the other hand so you can help get a P-spot or a perineum orgasm. Oh, yeah. You can help get a pelvic orgasm. Um, and If you have it like on a low rumble, it doesn't have to be on a high vibration. Um, if you're performing oral sex, you can put the bullet here and your partner feels the vibration through your mouth. That's no matter right. what no matter what genitals are in your mouth, you can use that, right? Yeah. Um, if you're performing oral sex on a vulva, you can put the bullet inside the vulva, in the vagina, and then perform oral sex on the outside, so you're getting internal and external stimulation, right? You <laughs> yes. can use it on the nipples, you can use it as an anal plug, like all these different things. Now, if you're using it in the anus, it has to be the one with the cord, though, right? because it's gonna go. Right. You know? But like like things like that, like I'm like, oh, I wonder what else we can use this for. Yes. And, you know, and so, it makes me happy to figure out different ways Come to on, use sex I love toys. It. I was like, you were bringing in, you're bringing in the engineering. Right? Like, yes, I'm I love science. this. Yes, science, science. and hoshes. Yes. I'm like, oh, this looks like this. This is a this is a prostate stimulator. Yeah, it's a wearable thrusting prostate stimulator, but it could also be used in vaginal use, or it could be, you know, like because I think that sex toys don't have an orientation. Right. They just fit genitals. Right. So an anal toy can easily be a vaginal toy. A vaginal toy can almost easily be uh, an anal toy, depending on how it is. Penis toys can be used for oral sex. And like, I'm just really like, oh, and this can go here. And yes. this can. So that's what I think my sex ed super. Yeah. <laughs> no, absolutely. Is. The one of the things um, I'm reminded of a story um, when I first started getting to know you and following you on Instagram, you did the, I was like, if I'd have known this back when I was being a condom lady and teaching young people about condoms, when you were talking about the toilet paper and the toilet yes. paper roll. And like, if you, your penis can, can fit inside of this, you don't need a Magnum. I was like, <laughs> right? practical, factual yes. information yes. that yes. like everybody can understand. Right. And yes. when, you know, I'm working in a high school where everybody swear they need the gold wrapper, but then they in my office a month later because it slipped off or, you know, somebody might be pregnant because it didn't quite do what it was supposed to do. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. if I'd had that basic practical information, that is science. Yeah. But brought down science. Yeah. And that's what I love to like read research and scientific research and then like figure out how to apply it in a very bite-sized way for like the masses. Yes. Because those are the ones that needed the research is great. But if if we can't apply it, then if it doesn't apply to people's practical life, then no one cares. No one so cares, like girl. I so like with that one, it was mad easy in my mind. I was like, oh, duh, and because we're talking about like the my, the millimeters and how just the different sizes of the girths of the penis and all that. So I was like, okay, so that's about the average size, and this is so like doing that, and it, immediately it's bite size, but it shifts people's scripts on yeah. how they view their own penis size, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, even with that, like talking about condoms and stuff, I tell people with dicks when you masturbate, you masturbate with a condom on. 
right? Because mm-hmm. then it changed your script. So you'll start to associate masturbation and condom pleasure. use as pleasure. Mm. And you'll get really good skill development. You'll get great yeah, yeah, yeah. how on quickly. Yeah, you know yeah, what I'm yeah. saying? And it's a great cleanup. You don't have sticky socks and napkins all over your room. Look, look. They, you know what I'm saying? You, you got a tip for all the teen moms who are listening, the, the moms of you know teens. The preteen moms. They're 11. I have a 17-year-old boy. You know, and since he was 13, I just put condoms in the room and I give him lube every month. Mm. We don't, we already had to talk about it. We don't have to talk about it no more. Right. We don't, look, it's just there. Right. The condom fairy came. Look. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) And even like, like, so those types of applications, because I read something about, you know, um, I used to teach abstinence only education as one of my internships for my master's degree. Of course you did. And it was interesting. <laughs> got to see what other, how the other half lives. I mean, I live in Texas. I ain't no. I was gonna say it's no Texas plus. <laughs> yeah, but um, but just seeing how the other half lives, right? And then I went into the research that they were using, and so I'm looking into it. So they're talking about yeah, condoms are only seventy percent effective. Bitch, where? <laughs> so I'm looking into the research, and now they're saying, you know, perfect use versus practical use. And I was like, oh, well, then we just have to improve practical use. Right. Well, to improve practical use, we need to uh, people to associate condom use with pleasure, because they say, oh, it doesn't feel good, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so how can we do that? Well, when you're self-pleasuring, Ta-da. so that's, you know yes. what I'm saying? So I'm trying to raise the numbers of perfect use. Yeah. I love condom sex. I'm ma- I'm happily married, and we still use condoms, because that way, we get more sex. Yeah. We get more sex. I love it. It's easier to clean up. It. We can have sex in the morning. I get a couple more strokes with the condom on because, you know, it feels different. It's not going to feel the same, but <laughs> right. you know what I'm saying? Right. And it's like, it's easier to clean up. Like I'm, I'm here for it. Y'all don't even understand. Look, look, I love it. I love it. I love it. And <laughs> I love every conversation I'm having with folks. I'm like, we can really get into a whole other conversation just about this. Right. It's a whole nother, <laughs> Yeah. But like, but I really, I love my, I think that's what my sex ed superhero power is. And I really had a hard time um, boiling down to what I was deciding that that was going to be yes. but i think it is it's just making things applicable and practical for people yeah 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 beautiful beautiful so so you know me and you know i mm-hmm. entered this discussion and i'm all about talking about race and talking about black yes. folks and how these topics intersect with the real life experiences of black folks so here's my question to you related to that what is at least one you can go into a bunch but at least one thing that you feel like black folk maybe don't fully understand or even get wrong in certain areas of your expertise? Um, I think there's a lot of, we know what we're doing because we having sex already. When we're talking about the pleasure work that I do, mm-hmm. the pleasure focused work. Oh, I've been, you know, I got eight kids. Of course I know what I'm doing. No, that just means you don't like condoms. <laughs> that means that your pullout game is whack. That doesn't mean that you're good at sex. That means that right. you're good at re- reproduction. Right. You got a big penis. That don't mean you know what you're doing with it. Oh my God. They be starfishes too because they rely on the fact that their dick is big. They don't feel like they have to have any uh, performance or any any stamina or any, you know, choreography. Like, bro, what you doing? (laughs) You know, I actually have had, I'm working on a a workshop now called Strokeology because, you know, I teach rideology, which is a partner on top workshop. It's dick riding, right? And so a lot of the people in that class were like, do you teach this for people with dicks? Like they need that. They need some strokeology. I was like, you right. Yes. And so I'm doing one. So people that uh, use dildos or people that have penises, I, I got y'all. Yes, like I we're love go- that. it's gonna be a thing. Yeah, because people think you know. Um, and another thing with so because I have two business models, I do the pleasure stuff and I do the professional development stuff. Mm-hmm. On the professional development side, black people specifically 
struggle with, or I didn't say struggle with, it's cognitive dissonance. It's, it's on purpose, it feels like sometimes, um, with gender orientation and, and um, sex being three different things. Mm-hmm. Um, I hear that it's white people shit. Um, I hear, you know, that ain't, that's not for black, that's not the black man, the, you know, this is the, this is the Asiatic black man, this is, you know. <laughs> I so love all the Asiatic have, black men in Texas. <laughs> listen, hotels all day, right? Um, and so that is a, a big hurdle that I have to jump on a regular consistent basis. And I have to explain that on the continent, there weren't, there were more than two genders. On the continent, it wasn't gay and straight it was just sex and pleasure and love and so um and then when when the colonizers came they didn't understand all these variations and all these choices and they could not they could not um colonize what they could not control Mm -hmm. so they were like all right y'all you either a boy or a girl you're either gay or you're straight you're these are the boxes that y'all need to figure out where y'all fit in yeah so that we can take over and take your shit yeah right and so what's happening is there is an awakening in blackness, I think. There is a reconnection to blackness and the diaspora and all of the things in between for black Americans specifically um, in the light of all the shit that's been going on, but now suddenly it's more public so we can't ignore it as much. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that is allowing us to reconnect to our ancestral plane and reconnect to our divine energies. And that's reinventing and reintroducing the gender you know, that's the genders, mm-hmm. right? And re and, and, and making people really connect to who they really are versus who they've been told they are. And so when I had that conversation with the people that believe that and they go, damn, I didn't even think about it like that. Mm-hmm. And it reshifts them from being white people shit to being, it gives them a level of empathy because now the trans people that you didn't even know were trans, first of all. How about that? That you feel a way about, just you feel inherently a way about there's a new empathy for them because they 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 can be almost more connected to the ancestors than you. Look, I said it I, out the gate. I shout out to Jay Mace and um uh Didi Figueroa. Um, I'm sorry, I'm Dane Figueroa Didi. I'm pronouncing that incorrectly. Um, for their black tra- plant black trans prayer movement and the whole yes. notion of trans people being divine because I'm I'm convinced like. Again, that's a whole yeah. other topic, but it is. And I, but I, and I, and I, te- I, speak to, I speak to clergy people because again, Texas. Um, <laughs> my partner tells me that one of my love languages is certification of degrees, and I don't, I don't dis- disagree. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not a Christian, but I have a Christian, uh, Christian sex positive Christianity certification. Yes, okay. And so I get, I get all up in the churches here, and the first ladies, and the singles ministries, and the married ministries, etc. And so we have these conversations, and they're like, "Well, God, don't make no mistakes." And I'm just like, "Well, what about this? Right? What if it's not a mistake? What if God created trans people to have a certain lived experience because they're connected to the vine in a different way, and they are now here to minister to the people?" I always point to. I don't remember. It's in Genesis. And I know he says he made them male mm-hmm. and female. I was like, at minimum, the first person has to be gender non-binary at minimum, at minimum. So this idea, I'm sorry. I just can't wrap my head around the idea that trans folks are not divine. Like folks ain't ready. They're not. No, <laughs> no. But so that's what I'm saying. So when I have these conversations specifically with faith-based communities, Having again, having the framework, having the professional development mm-hmm. to then talk to my lived experience and talk to the existing, you know, computer in my brain. Yeah, we can then have access to communities or the and the and the bodies that we move in, and be that beacon of light, be that beacon of realization or reframe or 
damn, I didn't think of that. Like, I love when a grown person is like, okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. You see the light go off over their head and it just makes me so happy. And I really, I think that I, I, my body conflates joy and arousal. And so yeah, I be feeling the way when I'm at church. Listen, stimulated because people are getting the concepts that I'm putting down. They picking up what I'm putting down. Yes. I'm like, oh well, let me go, child. Yes, I will fucking the church. So <laughs> I, you know, make a joyful noise. You know, what look, saying? look again, a whole other conversation that the Holy Spirit is an orgasm. Y'all you do know, know that. Let right? him use you. <laughs> let okay, him use you. Because the Kama Sutra says, the Kama Sutra says. That that's as close as you, uh, orgasm is as close as you can get to God without dying. Mm. Mm. Well, mm. look, so, okay. So I love that you brought in the, um, the, the ways that we have been conditioned to yes. d- d- separate ourselves from understanding mm-hmm. sexual and gender diversity and recognizing that that's always been a, queerness has always been, queerness is black, black is queerness, period. Yes. Right. Yes. And I'm also sitting with going even back to what you were saying about the idea of not needing to work on things, not needing to work on, you know, your stroke and work on your your ride and work on all these things. Um, That to me also speaks of race, right? And speaks of the stereotypes that exist in society that we're all good at sex, right? Like, like if you want good sex, you need to go to a black man or you need to go to a black woman. Like there's this mysticism around what we do that I think a lot of us do feel the pressure to, to yeah. perform and to be, you know, be exactly what, you know, society says we, we, we are without recognizing like, you know, if you haven't practiced this, if you haven't worked on it, you're not going to be just inherently naturally mm-hmm. good at it. That's not really mm-hmm. how this works. <laughs> it's like cooking. It's like cooking. You can't just, uh, some people are savants and yeah. some people, and, and, but the most of us, the majority of us yeah. need practice. We need recipes. We need gadgets, kitchen gadgets. We need things. Right. To help make this shit a little easier for right. us. And so I really love, like I said, the way I teach and the way I instruct and the way I just move through my workshops is making these larger, looming concepts yeah. very bite-sized and palatable for people to take with yes. them. And then they become peer influencers. Like, girl, I went to this class and she said da 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 So now they're telling other people. Let me tell y'all. So again, as someone who was not a... Uh, professional, not skilled at any of these things. I took rhinology. And when I tell you real skills, real skills, <laughs> a marked difference. Right? <laughs> so I so you see here and then here. Yes, and then I, I can the assess this, right? Because that's, you know, the sex educator hat in me is like, yes. uh, look, we need to be able to assess this. We need to be able to chart your progress and to be able to say <laughs> smart goal. As a result of this workshop, I was able to Right. <laughs> Swabot this thing. Okay. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so I can definitely attest to that. And um, yeah, uh, definitely, definitely attest to that. Um, so if you were speaking to just the regular degla black person who's like, Goody, everything you're saying is real cute. I don't I don't even know where to begin if I want to learn more about sex, if I want to become a sex educator, if I want to Maybe I don't want to become a sex educator. I just want to be better at talking to my kids about sex. What? Where would you tell them to start and how would you tell them to proceed? Um, well, first, I think that first and foremost, if you're just curious about sex, just not even from a parental standpoint, just for yourself, um, taking workshops, um, finding there are Black sex educators, specifically Black women sex educators all over the internet. We are everywhere. 
find us. Find us. I that we are always being shared in 12 top sex educators to follow or 25 black women on, you know. Listen, mm-hmm. find those. If you don't know, slide in my DMs and ask me. I'll, you know, tell you. But there are lots of black sex educators that help you reframe what you thought pleasure was or what you thought it could be. Um, take some of our workshops. I talk, I have a workshop that we go over the 18 different kinds of orgasm. Look, People like 18, that's my next one. 18, I'll you know be what I'm saying? 18 orgasms, bitch, what? Like, you know what I'm saying? You can take a pleasure workshop. You can take a professional development workshop. I teach sexuality and aging, sex and disability, um, squirting and orgasm, which is the 18 orgasm workshop. Um, I talk about how sex, gender, and orientation are three different things. Um, like, just kind of find workshops that, like, just Google is your friend. Google stuff, and it'll show up for you. Um, the Women of Color Sexual Health Network has lots of Black women sex educators that have workshops and stuff like that. Um, we all typically share each other's stuff that's going on. Don't be afraid of sex toys. Um, if you've never bought one, I do consults for sex toys. I'm sure the other sex educators do as well. Um, but don't be afraid to step outside of what you already know to learn something new. Mm-hmm. And it could just be a yes and. It could be in addition to what you already know. But don't go into it thinking that you already know everything. Um, if you are a parent specifically or have access to the influence of children, uh, sex positive families, and uh, Dr. Lex James Brown, child, yes. listen. <laughs> These people have books and uh, sex positive families just dropped like 150 questions. I have the book. Like, I have it. Mm-hmm. I have two, actually, because I bought one. And Melissa sent me one, like, with a note in it. Yeah. And I was like, I'm not going to cry because I'm a gangster. <laughs> and but, by the time you get to this episode, th- this you will have heard uh, Melissa because she's going to be my second guest on, this, on the podcast. So yes. you, we've, we've heard Melissa. We've gotten familiar with Melissa. Yes. But another yes. endorsement that she is someone to be listening to. Absolutely. Yes. And even just in, in general, even from a non-parenting perspective, because they have workbooks and, and, and classes and, and all that, but they also, the Instagram page is very enlightening. So for people that even non-parents, it gives you reframes on sex positivity and what that looks like and how you can honor being sex positive every day of your life and little small things you can do. It teaches you little small things that you didn't even realize or maybe sex negative, um, like the, in honor of the fast tail girl. Listen, mm-hmm. we fast, I'm fast because why? Because my body developed faster, because I know these things and I'm not ashamed to express and teach my other friends how to be safer if they're engaging in sex or because I'm not I'm not ashamed of that. Do we want where did the shame come from? Do we want shame for our children and our future generations? What part of generational wealth contains shame? Like the reframes that are offered in that newsfeed are amazing. Lex has a book called um, These These My Eyes, These My Nose, This My Vulva, These Are My Toes. Mm -hmm. And it's just teaching children the names of their body parts that's very empowering for kids uh sex sex education starts at potty training and it's not sex in you know p and b pleasure orgasm that's not what it looks like it's just like math it starts off small Mm -hmm. with the body parts and the names and what they do and this is your body and your no has power and nobody should be touching your body if you don't want them to and then and talks about respect and how other people's families look different. And your classmate may have two dads or two moms, but our families look different and they all deserve respect. That's what pre-K sex ed looks like. Mm-hmm. And then we build on those skills at age appropriate levels in age appropriate ways. That part. So don't think that we out here showing co- toddlers how to put condoms on. Right, right. They don't need that. There are grownups <laughs> that don't know how to do that. Look. You know what I'm saying? But we, <laughs> But we teach them 
age appropriate, applicable, practical skills that they build on. And we could tie sex education or the lack of sex education to any social ill on this planet. And that's my social work and public health training. But we wouldn't have school shootings if uh, these kids took comprehensive sex education Come on. because they learn it's not just how to fuck. It's not just about pleasure. It's not just about sexual transmitted infection and pregnancy prevention. It's also about navigating negative emotions and respecting other people's boundaries and understanding that the world doesn't revolve around you and putting yourself in a larger framework of things that happen around you. And that the little people that went to those schools and shot up those kids mm -hmm. had known how to navigate their negative emotions, respect rejection, respect other people's boundaries, they wouldn't have felt like they had the right to do that. So let's be clear, it's not just about sex, STI reduction and pregnancy prevention. We are talking about preventing large domestic terrorist acts. Look, look. Real comprehensive sex ed is anti-racist too, but y'all ain't ready for that. <clears throat> Yeah, right. Y'all can't see the folks, the, the folks who are not watching this on YouTube can't see me, but I did my my good, you know, you have a good food dance. I get my good thoughts dance where I'm like, you in the flow, you preaching, you saying a thing that I already know. You and I are on the same wavelength. Ow, ow. <laughs> yes, right? Awesome. Um so let me ask you this one uh, kind of last question before we get into my rapid fire questions. Okay. okay. So just thinking about kind of, especially now that you've brought it to the macro level and just kind of thinking about where we are as a society, where we are as a globe, as a world, how do you see, what do you see your place and your role as a black sex educator in this moment in time? Um, well, specifically around the coronavirus, because corona is a sexually transmitted infection. Um, <clears throat> um, I have been, <laughs> the, 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 the shutdowns and everything have made Zoom a thing. And so I am a worldwide educator now, which I'm excited about. I am educating all over the country because people are more receptive to a Zoom interaction and, and, you know, and all of that. Um, but I see myself, I have, like I said, two business models and I, my pleasure business is really booming. 2021 is focused on building out my uh, consultancy, which is the professional development side. Can, really tell, a, want... tell us a little bit more about that. So it's wish training solutions, it's whole intimacy and sexual health training solutions. And so I do, um, professional development. I do for communities on campuses and in companies. Um, and so like the sex and aging, the sex and disability, the sex and, uh, sex and womanhood, uh, navigating breastfeeding, having um, employees that give birth, um, navigating sex orientation and gender and how those are three different things. So those are the kinds of things that I teach on a professional level um, to educators, counselors, therapists, lawyers, first responders, uh, healthcare professionals, et cetera. So I do that. I do like in-services for nurses at nursing homes on how to handle walking in on two residents having sex. Right. Come Things on. like that. I did one for a phone store who I can't name uh, a phone company that they have a store here close to my house. And there was an incident. So they brought me in to teach um, the front store employees how to navigate pronouns for people that are gender nonconforming or whose gender you don't really you can't visibly tell they're not clockable one way or the other. And you're not sure. Right. So we I taught a workshop on sex orientation and gender and how to apply that in a store framework. So when I teach the class, I teach the class in this broad way and then I drill it down to how you can use it tomorrow. Right. Um, and so that's really what I want to do. I'm speaking on campuses and stuff more. I'm trying to get more. Into, I've done a couple of things um, with doctors and nurses around how sex toys bridge the gap in the continuum of care 
for patients with chronic conditions that impact sexual function, like diabetes, menopause, erectile difficulty, things like that. And so trying to incorporate pleasure, trying to incorporate uh, human sexuality training at just the basic, in my, in my opinion, a baseline level mm-hmm. across the board to helping professionals and frontline employees and stores and, and things like that is going to help make a cultural shift in general um, because there's an understanding that is going to permeate the way we interact, you know, interpersonally, intrapersonally. Right. And so doing that for colleges, doing that for healthcare providers, doing that for lawyers, doing that for police, doing that for (laughs) social workers, because we have a lot of social workers that have savior complexes, like they're not working in their communities. Okay. Um, (laughs) So uh, things like that. And I think that those shifts at that level, it's a frontline level. It's not high up here. The research and stuff is up here, but we don't know how to apply it. So creating workshops and doing workshops in companies, on campuses, um, and in communities around those things, I think will help add a layer of empathy, add a layer of humanity to a lot of the nonsensical, unnecessary violence, gender-based violence that's happening. Um, And it just, I think it'll give us a more robust understanding of human sexuality in general. And so that's where I see me fitting in uh, going forward, doing the pleasure stuff and offering the CEs because I'm, and I'm trying to connect with licensing uh, bodies so that I can provide CEs for my workshops Mm -hmm. because then it makes sense for people. I can make it make sense to them. Well, I got to take it for my CEs. Like I offer continuing education credits for my blowjob class to marriage and family therapists in the state of Texas. Come on. So, Because I can make it all work on the paper. I can make it make sense. Right. I'm just pitching to all these places that that give licenses for nurses and licenses for doctors and licenses for, you know, lawyers, et cetera, to tie my CEs back to what they need, at least in the ethics pieces. Right. 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 To give them these baseline understandings. And it's going to change, again, their script and how they move to interact with the rest of our community. Yeah. Because I wanted to do it, our communities, but I'm like, I, I feel like it's a yes and. And I have to change for skill level and 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 understanding and all this other stuff. But in these professions, there's a certain baseline understanding that they have to have. Mm-hmm. And so if I can impact how people are treated, that can also shift the narrative, the estab- this shift the establishment to shift the narrative of the people uh, engaging with it. Absolutely. And so the moral of that story is Goody is good for you and your organization. You can hire yes. her for both you yes. And the place where you work, because all of us know <laughs> or have worked somewhere where folks didn't quite get get it right on the on these various topics. And so, definitely. yeah, especially with these diversity and inclusion dollars. I know y'all got them. Look, can I just tell you, I wish I had named this originally science and whole shit. This, t- <laughs> this, this, this podcast. I just love that. I'm like. Yes, a podcast for science and whole shit. Well, if Amen. that's the name of the book I'm working on, <laughs> but, that is the name of the book I'm working on. I love and it. People are like, "Oh, you need a podcast?" I don't. I don't. I'm. I'm cool. <laughs> I, I just. I just see that as something else that I have to do. True. And true. I, I had one. It was like 15 minutes at a time. It's called a good 15 with Goody, and I, I would love do it. like eight of them at a time, and uh-huh. just you know. But child. Uh-huh. I can't do it. I just, I just, it's just more work. I like maybe, maybe next year, maybe in the summer we'll revisit, but 
Look, at you, I think <laughs> I think we're at a, a time in our history where folks have to move in what is authentic for them. And if that's not authentic for you, then it's not. I'm a firm believer that it's not going to pan out because it's not. Right. You're not going to have yeah. that energy to keep it going. I could just come and talk to you. I don't have to have my <laughs> I was going to say, I was like, actually, so what this actually means is that you'll have to come back. Um, yes. We didn't get, we did not have time to get into it, but I want you back for Volvember. Yes. Um, next year, like I have yes. a whole thing in my mind about about that. Um, yes. If you maybe just really quickly just explain to folks what is Volvember. So Volvember is November, but it's now Volvember. As yes. you see, Volva is very high on my priority list. Um, <laughs> I think that we, we, you know, the national, the, the global narrative around pleasure is dick shaped, and so I, I wanted Volvember to be a celebration of all things Volva, of Volva art, Volva, Volva pleasure, prose, music, whatever. Yeah. Right. And so it's a celebration of all things vulva all month long because we talk about dicks all the time. Look, look, uh. look. But okay, so we're not gonna get into it, but definitely um yes. I want you back. And and obviously though, before that, anytime you want to come on here, let me know. I'd love to just do another conversation. Um I'm down. But, <laughs> but real quick, before I let you go, let me do my rapid fire questions. Okay. And I'm these ready. are just um five sentence stems. Okay. First thing okay. comes to your mind. Okay. Sexiness is confidence. Mm. The sexiest thing about black people and or blackness is our style. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> like I'd be like, what? <laughs> look, look. My go-to for feeling sexy is my smile. Yes, 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 it, yes. Like, my math is my favorite part of my body. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right. Sexual freedom for Black folk is achieved when? When we define it for ourselves. And last but not <laughs> least, when I'm done being on this podcast, I will. Go make Christmas cookies with my daughter. Oh, <laughs> yeah. She is... Hendrix is like, after your meeting, we can make cookies, right? It's time to make my cookies. Hey, Hendrix. Yes. <laughs> we love Hendrix on TSOB. <laughs> Hendrix is is the goddess. And when she's yeah, old enough, we will have Hendrix on the, on the show. Listen, and did you buy her a Barbie? <laughs> I'm sure I did. I'm that auntie. A like, yoga whatever. Barbie. <laughs> yes. She got yoga. She got black. She does yoga with Barbie. She yes. still does yoga with black Barbie, so... I love it. Thank you so much, Goody. I love of you course. so much. I'm I so glad you. you came here. And yeah, we're going to wrap it up with that. Thanks, y'all. You've been listening to TSOB with Dr. G, produced by Dr. Tracy Q. Gilbert of Tembi and Aya. To keep up with all things TSOB, follow us on social media at TSOB The Podcast, which you can find on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. For past episodes of the show, Visit TSOBpodcast.com or subscribe to the show either on YouTube or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Now, don't forget that you've got homework for this episode. To find the downloadable worksheet for this or any other episode of the show, head on over again to TSOBpodcast.com where you'll find it and any other important information from the show notes. And finally, do you have any questions or thoughts to share? Sound off by email at mailbox at tsobpodcast.com. Again, this was TSOB, the sex ed of black folk. Thank you for listening. Talk again soon. <laughs>